For some young adults who dream of flying freely in the sky, being a pilot, whether for the military or private sector, can be a tricky career pathway. So we're fortunate to have our next guest who is able to actually speak to both. Lieutenant Colonel Bart Wilbanks does not just fly one plane. He's flown six different ones, which includes the F-16, the F-35A, the T-37, T-38A, AT-38B, and Airbus A320. In addition, he has served as an active duty member in the U.S. Air Force for 10 years and is currently the commander of the 466th Fighter Squadron for the 1st U.S. Air Force Reserve Unit for the F-35A, which is the Air Force's newest fifth-generation fighter. And if that's not enough, he's a pilot of Delta Airlines. Bart earned his commission in May of 1999 from Baylor University right down the road from us. He served in active duty assignments and Air Combat Command before entering the Air Force Reserve in 2009, currently serving as a traditional reservist. He holds almost 3,500 military flying hours, including 900 in combat. In his 21 years of service, he's had 11 different assignments, which is part of living the life as a pilot in the military, which we will talk about today. We're excited for you to learn about the life of a pilot. Welcome, Bart. So first of all, thank you so much for agreeing. I know your schedule is super busy. Um, We have a joint friend. Um, My husband was stationed at Hill years and years ago and was attached to the 388 through, um, you know, what he did. And so I got to know a lot of the F-16 pilots and more their wives. We uh, actually coordinated the Roundup, which is a Oh, yeah. Do they still have it? They still do. Yeah. Yeah. So I was the actual chairman, which is really funny because I was the only non F-16 pilot in the group. Yeah. And so I, um, as the chair, we raise money to give to scholarships and it's a big community event. It's a ton of fun. And through that, we met, I met um, a mutual friend whom when I was trying to find a pilot and trying to be as broad as I could, because there's so many different ways you can go with being a pilot. Lola said, Hey, I know someone and he yeah. agreed. So yeah. um, tell me, tell me a little bit about how you got into this. Why did you want to be a pilot? Tell me about your, your career story. Well, so I guess what got me interested in flying, my grandfather flew uh, bombers in World mm. War II. Mm-hmm. So kind of, you know, growing up as a little kid, going over to his, his place, you know, seeing all the the pictures and hearing stories about that got me interested. And then he was uh, the manager of uh, Tucson International Airport. Hmm. So I was kind of around airplanes growing up and he took me flying when I was five or six years old. And I was like, man, if you could make a living doing this and <laughs> flying airplanes like this, this is an awesome setup. Uh, so at the time uh, I was homeschooled. So I, I was homeschooled until I went to high school. Um, and I wrote my Senator, I still have the letter when I was seven years old saying, Hey, I'd like to, I'd like to be a pilot in the air force. And I'd like to go to the air force Academy, tell me what I need to do. And they came back with a a pretty detailed paper on, Hey, this is what you need to focus on. Here's the studies of, you know, the things that are important, you know, get into boy scouts and get your Eagle Scout, you know, start looking at, uh, you know, your private pilot's license when you're, when you're the age uh, that you can do that. And uh, all those things are 
differentiators when you're applying to those mm-hmm. academies. So that, that's kind of what set my path and my goals. And, and I just kind of started working at it uh, ever since, you know, they, they encourage team sports and uh, you know, learning how to work together is, is definitely important uh, a part of that. And uh, so I started pretty young and got into flying when I was uh, 15. Uh, worked at the, the local airport there, washing airplanes and mowing yards, <laughs> had a lot of uh, yard mowing business. And I can remember finally making enough, uh, you know, I needed to have about $1,500 to start. And I, I put it down on the counter, all cash and started flying at 15 and uh, have been going ever since. Went, went to Baylor University. Uh, I wanted to go to the academy, but uh, didn't get in. You know, it's a very competitive process. Yeah. And so didn't uh, have the uh, ACT score, actually, to, to to get in. When you go and get rated with all the other, other people, they, they said, hey, you can go to a four-year school or the Air Force Preparatory School and then, uh, you know, apply again the next year. Uh, when I got into Baylor, I started ROTC there, and it uh, my commander was nice enough to send me to uh, a program at the Air Force Academy that summer that I was trying to decide if I would go and start the Air Force Academy all over again, and I'd have to start the whole four years, or I had three more years at Baylor, and I went back to went back to Baylor and finished at Baylor and had a uh, a pilot slot. Uh, you, you find out your sophomore year, uh, at the end of your sophomore year, if you're going to have a pilot slot or not. And then uh, I was selected to go to the Euro-NATO Joint Jet Pilot Training, which is a NATO-led pilot training, and, and you only get fighters out of there. So I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Uh, so that was awesome because you don't have to compete uh, to get that fighter. You know, you have to compete to get the, what specific fighter you want. but at a normal pilot training base, it's probably 20% fighters and 80% heavies. So I did that for uh, a year after Baylor. So, you know, when you graduate through ROTC, you graduate as an officer. Uh, and they, they commit, commission you as soon as you, you earn your degree. And, uh, and then started that about six months later um, there in Wichita Falls. And that lasts for about a year and a couple months. And then you go to something called uh, Introduction to Fighter Fundamentals. And I went to Moody Air Force Base in Valdosta, Georgia. And that lasted about four months. And little trainings here and there. You know, you have to go to survival school. And then you have to go to this thing called the centrifuge where where they spin you in this chamber to make sure that you can pull the 9Gs that the F-16 is going to demand. So I did that. Uh, in between that and then went to Phoenix, Arizona uh, for about a year for my F-16 basic course and uh, did that for a year. And then my assignments on active duty, I went to uh, Kunsan Air Force Base in uh, South Korea for a year following that. And then uh, three years after that, or th- after that assignment was three years in uh, Aviano Air Base mm-hmm. in Italy. Yeah. Um, Let me ask you a question really quick. Um, you know, I know a lot of individuals. 
um, who they dream of the Air Force Academy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you wrote a letter. I just think that's adorable, by the way. At a very young age, you had your eye on the prize. And I think there's something really powerful about um, being laser focused, which, by the way, you have to be as a fighter pilot. Let's be clear. So when you found out you couldn't go to the Air Force Academy, how did you feel about that disappointment when you had wanted it so much as a young child? Yeah, it was it was pretty crushing, you know, yes. to, to want something so bad. And, and you're just like, I'm just going to give up. I'm just I actually wanted to because I loved airplanes. I was like, I was just going to go be an airplane mechanic. I didn't I didn't even want to go to a four year school. Um, so there was a. Texas State Technical College that I was going to go earn my mechanic degree and be an airplane mechanic just to be around airplanes. And my parents like, nope, you're, you're not going to do that. So having that <laughs> you know, in, in your life to Good try yeah, to uh, keep me on path. And, you know, I think there, there was probably two or three times that, you know, I got told no or had medical problems through, through everything that is definitely hurdles to, to overcome. And so that's why I'd say just don't give up because you will be told no, you will be told you're not good enough. You'll be told your eyes aren't good enough. Take no for an answer in this world. You're going to, you're going to be disappointed in the long run. Right. Yeah. And that's such a, a powerful statement. Cause I know so many young adults, whether they want to go to the Ivies or, you know, they have their heart on doing X and then, you know, they, their goal and typically by the way it's high achievers and so then they get that disappointment and they've never had a disappointment before right and so it is all about how you handle it and i always say there's more than 4000 universities in the us there's never the most best place it's the right place for you at that time and and, you know, it just shows that you still got to where you wanted to be, even though your dream didn't quite go the way you had planned with the seven-year-old yeah. mind. I mean, I think that's a really important, important story to tell. So thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. Well, and at that time I thought, Hey, the way that you become a fighter pilot is you have to go to the Air Force Academy. Like that's the, right. the best route to go. Uh, in hindsight, I would say it, you have every bit a chance going through ROTC and maybe in some cases even better to get a fighter uh, through ROTC than the Air Force Academy. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there is no perfect formula to, to get to this position, but, you know, I think that not quitting and, and uh, keep on chasing that dream is, is the only formula that has to be there. Mm-hmm. So tell me what's kind of like a, a, a day in the life of, and I know every day is different, but in the world when you're most active, tell me what that looks like. Uh, so, you know, right now I also fly for Delta Airlines. So I'm, I'm a reservist. And uh, so balancing those two jobs, you know, I'll, I'll be at Delta, um, you know, probably flying there about 12 to 14 days a month. And then another about 10 days a month out of the Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. So just depending on what, what job I'm doing mm-hmm. uh, is, is kind of changing that program a little bit. But, you know, I'd say right now, you know, so I'm getting ready to deploy here in a couple weeks. So my focus these last two months has been on the Air Force. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I can use my military um, 
orders to, to tell Delta, hey, I, I need to go do this and get ready to deploy. Uh, and then I'll be deployed for the next three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, these last couple months has been mostly the Air Force stuff. And I fly about eight times a month. And then you have simulators on top of that and all kinds of other requirements that, um, you know, and then my job as, as a commander of a fighter squadron, you know, I have 50 people that I have to take care of. So a lot of admin that I'm doing mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with flying, but that's <laughs> part of getting older. Yeah. That's what happens as you, you progress through the years. Yeah. So, you know, one thing we always, um, I think is important to mention because, you know, you can kind of go two different ways with being a pilot, right? You can do the private sector or you can go towards the military and the life of the military is very different. And I know that you were active duty for years and then you shifted to reserve duty, which I was another reason I was really excited to have you because you're, you've kind of had your, your legs in each of the entities that can exist. So tell, I think it's really critical. And I learned this from having friends whose spouses were in your field kind of talk about what that life is like to live. Because oftentimes I'll say to my clients, okay, tell me what's most important to you to be happy. What are, what are values? And and oftentimes they'll say work-life balance. Well, that can be a challenge in your field. So kind of tell me a little bit about what that looks like for you or has looked like for you or people who are in this field. Yeah, I would say, you know, if you're looking at the military, or even an airline job. I mean, you, you have to be ready to be on the road, you know, and have to be ready to move in the, in the airlines you're going to move uh, in your civilian career. You know, you're mo- most of the people I know are commuting back and forth, you know, from uh, different places around the world to, to start their, their trip, you know, with the, and so it, it is a constant traveling kind of job. And then on the air force side, you know, when you start the air force, you know, like, as I kind of talked you through those first few years, I mean, I, I was moving all the time. I mean, you, you pretty much have a, a a little small U-Haul of stuff. I think I had five or 600 pounds of stuff that I owned and you just stay mobile and get ready to go. And it is a fantastic experience. You know, like you, you don't miss your stuff and the friends that you make and the, the, the team that you, you build when you, you know, you'll go and, you know, deploy with these guys, this team, uh, and it's for six months and y'all are, you eat together, you know, you build relationships that I think are, are hard to, hard to even understand on the, mm-hmm. the civilian side. So I would, I would not do anything different. I, I think the active duty is a great way to start uh, a career, you know, so I did that for 10 years uh, and you can expect to move every two to three years on active duty. And then now in the reserves, now you can, you know, I've, I've been here for 10 years at Hill and you can kind of make it a home mm-hmm. and kind of have other, other jobs. So it, it's a good mix. The, the reserves was, was good for me and my family, but you know, if, a lot of guys stay on active duty through 20, you know, 30 years uh, and never decide to go to the airlines. So mm-hmm. that's, that's definitely a path as well. And it's a, you're not going to get rich in the military, but like right now, people are loving the military with all the, the right. COVID right. stuff going on. Uh, everybody's flocking back, trying to get on on full time orders, even reservists, because mm-hmm. they're getting furloughed at their 
their uh, airline jobs. Yeah, and normally what I talk about on the podcast is growth because, you know, I think it's a conversation we don't have enough conversation around when we're picking a career. We go pick it and then we're like, okay, I can't get a job and then you're in trouble. And and this is a, a field that's relatively competitive. Um, there is some growth. Um, the commercial actually has a little bit more growth than others. Um, and it's about, for U.S., it's about 8% growth which um, Department of Labor says the healthy career field is 6.5%. Obviously, the military doesn't fall into this. This isn't part of how they measure it. Um, but they, in Texas, we have 16% growth. We rock in Texas. Everything's rocking in Texas. So um, pilots can start in the commercial end around 50,000. 50, um, about eighty-five to ninety-five thousand are the average, and then it can get up to about one hundred and eighty thousand. A lot of the people, I think, are surprised by that. Um, and even the airline pilots, they actually have higher salaries um, based on what the Department of Labor has right now. That's not the case. I mean, we're as you know, we, we talked about this in our pre-interview. You know, the airlines are being hit really, really hard, and that's. I, um, my husband actually comes from a whole line of pilots. His father was a fighter or a bomber. His father was a pilot. His uncle was, um, George Bush senior's, um, pilot when, um, he was vice president. So, you know, and then just watch them transition out into civilian life. And then what happens when the bottom falls out of airlines you know, it can be really tricky. There have been airlines that have gone out of business. People lost their pensions. I mean, there's a lot of risk right. that goes into it. Um, but, you know, for people who they want to fly, that I mean, if you meet anyone who's ever been a pilot, they've always their entire lives wanted to be a pilot. This wasn't a second thought. This wasn't something that just came up. They would rather fly than do anything else, no matter where that flying occurs. And so tell me, I'm curious if, how did, how was it? I just can visualize this. You going from a fighter jet to a big plane like Delta. How, how was that for you? Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a transition because, uh, you know, I never had to talk to anybody in the cockpit before. So oh, that's funny. You know, like you, it's just you. And, you know, when I want to put the gear down, I just reach up and put the gear down in, in a, in the commercial world, you don't touch any switches without uh, asking someone to do it. And they, you know, the other guy puts the gear down. And uh, so it's, it's definitely a, a crew coordination thing that, uh, that fighter pilots aren't used to doing. So that was, that was challenging. But as far as the flying, it's just, there's different challenges um, in, in the airline world that, you know, just taxing around, uh, you know, LaGuardia and Newark and all these places that are crazy busy, you know, that's the task saturating thing, just getting to the runway, getting de-iced and, you know, getting through all the, the hoops just to get airborne. And once you're airborne in the airlines, it's, it's relatively calm. What's opposite in the fighter world where like taking off is nothing for us, but you know, once you get out there and start the mission, that's, that's the critical mm -hmm. thinking part of it. So it's just, yeah, you're just using your mind differently for the, the different jobs, but it's still a great job. Both of them, you know, I, I look forward to retiring out of the Air Force and that, you know, being my, my one job. Uh, it, it's a fantastic career 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything I've decided to do, uh, even with all the furloughs and, you know, stuff going on. Right. Uh, if I got furloughed, uh, I, yeah, I'll, I'll be gone for a couple of years and it'll, it'll all come back. This we're already seeing, I, th- I think we're at, uh, so on average, we have about 2.5 million people go through TSA every day. Uh, and we're already at five or 600,000 now. So mm, that's great. Yeah, that's probably in the 20% realm. It's, it's coming back. And I think you'll start to see it by the end of the summer. I think we'll be up to 50%. And, um, sometime this next year, I think it'll, it'll be, uh, this time next year, I'm, I'm guessing we'll be about, about up to hundred percent again. But. Right. Right. Well, and there are some, you know, aptitudes that really go along with being a pilot and they're, they're kind of non-negotiable funny enough, like some career fields, it's like, eh, it's kind of nice if you had it. Um, two of them include um, visual comparison speed. You've got to be able to look over things and figure out what's missing. Um, hand-eye coordination is huge. Um, and then actual spatial orientation is really Im- important and depth perception. So those are, can actually be measured through aptitude testing. Did you take an, any type of aptitude test to determine if you could be a pilot when you're in the military? Do they give you one? Yeah, you take something called the AFOQT, which is the Air Force Officer Qualifying Test. Uh-huh. And that test has a pilot section that uh, it tests all that hand-eye coordination. And so that is, that is an important part of getting your pilot slot is to take that test. And there's, there's books out there. You can prepare for it. Mm-hmm. I think, I think they let you take it multiple times. So if you mm-hmm. didn't have a great score, you can go and take it again. Uh, but that, you know, when you, when you're going when you're putting their, your package together uh, in ROTC or wherever you are, uh, that score is part of it. Your GPA is part of it. The commander's assessment uh, in ROTC of you is a big part of that. So I think like 50%. So all that stuff matters, but you know, what you do to, you know, be a part of a team and your ability to lead people and uh, show that capability to, so the Air Force is, is every, you know, it's half your grade. Right. So. Well, and I'll have a lot of parents um, who will talk to me about their, their kids gaming. It's always like a source of contention. It's like the one thing that will come up in our client sessions. And I will say, you know, it actually has some really good benefits. And I would guess your child, children um, will have, great hand-eye coordination, hence why they like to game, and hence why they would be a great pilot. It's kind of funny to see how those things trickle down. They are actually genetic, which um, is one reason why there are a generation of pilots. Um, Great eyesight, which I think they, you don't have to have perfect eyesight anymore, do you? Has Uh, that changed? It has to be correctable to 2020. You can wear glasses, but you, um, you still need to be able to read the 2020 line with whatever correction you have. Right. With accuracy. Yeah. (laughs) This isn't where you want to fudge. It was funny. I've had a friend who was wanting to be a pilot and he was super tall and he was talking about how he, he was manipulating his body to make sure he could get in the cockpit. (laughs) I was just, you know, it's just funny how you, 
there's some things you want to fudge on and there's some things you don't necessarily want to. But, you know, some of the really key traits that are critical is attention to detail. You can kind of go, am I a person that has attention to detail? Um, am I dependable? Um, how is my stress tolerance? That's a big one for your yeah. career field. Um, Self-control. And, you know, you kind of said team, but the cooperation. I mean, those are five things that really outline um, who you need to kind of be at your core to be successful in a career such as that. Yeah, I totally agree. I would say, you know, this, it, it probably, I mean, it is one of the more stressful jobs um, and mainly like getting through the training and stuff is, you know, once you're in it, uh, the stress is, you know, a little bit more reduced, but uh, all the upgrades and all the, you know, it's, you're constantly have pressures put on you to perform and uh, you know, you're being evaluated all the time. And, and then you add, you're like, Hey, you know, the jets aren't perfect and they have problems. And how are you going to deal when, when the jet isn't working? Right. And it, it can be stressful. And so, yeah, figuring out early, like, Hey, how, how do I deal with stress and figuring out, um, you know, how to make your body not panic is, right. is, is, is key. And that's really just, it's practice, you know, like, Hey, when something bad happens, what's your natural reaction? Mm-hmm. Uh, it needs to be just, you know, take a couple breaths and realize that you can do it. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, don't let the, the panic set in that you just get, you got something to do and take care of. And, you know, that's, that's what's going to save you. Right. I can remember when I had my first corporate job, he was a pilot and he flew and the plane that could go from one side of the U S to the other in the fastest speed. What was the name of that plane? Do you know what I'm talking about? 71. Yes. So (laughs) that's what he flew. So it was his first corporate job as well. So we were all around the conference table for our daily briefing or our daily meeting. And we were, everybody was just at each other's throat. And he stopped and he said, okay, people, we are not landing a plane with hundreds of lives in our hands. Like, can we have some perspective? (laughs) And it's interesting because when you do live that life, you're like, really, really? I mean, let's, let's have clarity here. So, well, I truly appreciate you agreeing to come on. Um, You know, it's your field and you're in it. So you may not know or remember, but it's, it's one of those, that's a dream for many, many people. Um, and sometimes doesn't seem attainable. Um, but I think what I love about what you shared today was that it's possible for anyone who really wants it, who kind of checks all, all these boxes that it's a good fit. Yeah. And, you know, not necessarily for super young people too. One of our really good friends, actually, he um, came into the military very much later in life and he became an AWACS pilot. And yeah. You know, it's just really cool to hear those stories that, you know, something like that, that is a dream that you don't think is obtainable is it's possible. Yeah. And, you know, what's important to understand is if you do fly fighters, uh, you know, I have, uh, you know, I've been flying solid for 20 years, 21. I only have, uh, you know, 3,500 hours in a fighter. But if you go the heavy track, you're going to have. 
10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, probably three times what I'm having. So, you know, your ability to get picked up by the airlines is, is almost faster, you know, going the right. heavy, heavy route, uh, right. you're getting to those hours, uh, quicker. And a heavy route means just a bigger plane. Yeah, like the AWACS or, uh, you know, the Air Force, we have tankers, so the air refuelers, mm-hmm. the, the transports, the C-17s, um, you know, they're, they're, there's all kinds of airplanes now that, that, even, that, you know, we don't even talk about that it would be mm-hmm. awesome to fly. So there's, uh, there's some great opportunities in the Air Force, in the Navy, and, you know, Marines, any, any service that you choose is, is going to be I think rewarding. Yeah. It's a great life. You know, I share that often. It's, you know, there's, when you get to see the world and you get to meet people from all over the place and expand your worldview. And it really is just an incredible life. Um, Not necessarily for everybody, but, you know, I think it's, it's really an awesome opportunity um, to live a life that you won't always live forever. So Thank you very much. Thanks for everything you do, by the way. You're, oh, thank you. There's a lot going on in your world, and I, I always appreciate um, any t- we, when we lived at Hill, we taught our little, God, how old was she? Probably three, yeah, three to six-year-old. Um, every time the fighters went over, we'd say, what's that sound? And she'd say, the sound of freedom, and to this day, yeah. anytime we hear them you know, it's always a great remembrance and of being at Hill. So thank you for your service and, and to your wife who, by the way, fighter wives are rock star women. I have known a ton. They are just incredibly amazingly strong women in their own right. So um, she's busier than I am with her job. So it's, it's not just, you know, taking care of this. So she's, she's out doing her, uh, her job, you know, is, probably more stressful than mine. So isn't that funny how it works? Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're busy, but it's fun. That's right. Well, thank you so much. It was really nice to meet you. I appreciate you agreeing to a total stranger reaching out. Um, it's my pleasure. Super helpful. Any questions that you have, just send me a text or, or if you got people that reach out that want to get more information about how to, how to do it. Um, you know, I'd throw the last plug for the reserve because I'm a reservist. If you go in and just Google uh, Air Force Reserve uh, pilot, um, it'll, it'll send you right to this link and you can go in and apply to the Air Force Reserve uh, right there. Uh, and it goes to an unsponsored board, but you, you then once it, you go through all the hoops to make that happen, you can get picked up by a, a unit and uh, and then just you could go into the reserves directly after after college if you didn't want to do the active duty the nice thing about that is you don't have the the 10 year commitment after pilot training right so if you're like hey i just want to go and i want to do the military thing but you know my family needs to be you know not moving then you you could go right into the reserves that may be the best option for you right and that's a great point and we did not get into that too much but yes the, the moving doesn't happen as much, but there's a lot, I think I've seen a lot of the reservists do a lot more of the deploying. Um, sometimes that, depending on what your career field is, it could be a little bit more of that, but you do, your fa- your family gets to stay. You know, yeah. Yeah. Stabilized, which is yeah, nice. Yeah. Between the two, you know, doing the reserve and the airline 
job is uh, still a, it's a busy, it's, it's 20, 25, 26 days a month of working, sometimes being on the road for all of it. So right. it's busy. Gosh, that is crazy. Well, just for our listeners, if um, you want early access to the podcast, you can get them at the beginning of the month, sign up for a newsletter at whatsyourcareerstory.com or reader consulting. Um, I just always emphasize the power of formal career exploration. A lot of people do not know it exists and it can get you on a path faster and more confident um, when you understand who you are, what you like, but ultimately can you do it, which I think is really the the secret sauce and making informed decisions. So thank you everyone for listening. Um, and I hope you all proceed with confidence. Thank you for listening to what's your career story. If you'd like early access to episodes, you can join us at whatsyourcareerstory.com. If you'd like to learn about career paths, sign up for our monthly newsletter, which is also available at whatsyourcareerstory.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.